song about a man called Goth and a little boy wanted to be tarred with the same brush. He learned Latin, held his head up high, and he hated the liberals, though he didn't know why. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Pod on the Hill. My name is Conrad French, and I'm the digital director here at Victorian Labor. Last week, the federal government's Ensuring Integrity Union uh, Ensuring Integrity Bill was surprisingly defeated in the Senate. Joining us this week to discuss the bill's failure and the next and the next steps from here is the ACTU Secretary Sally McManus. Welcome, Sally. Good day. Great to be here. Now let's get right into it. As I said in the intro, the Ensuring Integrity Bill was meant to sail through the federal Senate, um, and that was until One Nation surprised everyone and voted against it. Just for our listeners' context, what did the government say it was trying to achieve with this bill and what was it actually going to achieve? Uh, well, the government spent you know, the last five months, six months really, since the election carrying on um, about union members saying that we're all thugs and bullies, which of course is completely untrue. There's 1.6 million of us and it's pretty insulting when your Prime Minister uh, refers to you that way and saying that they needed this bill in order to you know, fix that. So first of all, a problem that doesn't exist in the first place. What the bill actually does is three, four things. It um, allows union officials to be sacked. Uh, it allows unions to be shut down entirely. It allows unions to be put into administration and the administrator can come in and just sell all the assets and shut down the union if they want. And finally, it stops uh, unions amalgamating, even where uh, the members uh, agree that that's what they want to do. It got analysed by these experts from in labour law from around the world, and they uh, concluded that there's no law like it at all in the developed world, except for one that's not even as bad as this one, and it's <laughs> from uh, Brazil when the military junta was in, and they had never got rid of it. So even it's even worse than that. So right. yeah, it's pretty outrageous in a democracy where a, a, a government wants to bring in a law that allows uh, unions to be shut down. It's frightening. Now, is this just at the whim of the government or the minister or who would have that power? Uh, so it did change over time. We managed to uh, get some of the crossbench senators to, to get some changes to it. But there's this uh, mob called the Registered Organisations Commission that um, Malcolm Turnbull actually went to a double dissolution election around it. And uh, what it does, it's a regulator for unions. And so unlike other regulators, of course, they're cashed up. They spent all their time basically harassing union unions over paperwork. So, you know, uh, getting it wrong in terms of, uh, you know, a number about how many members you might have compared to another number, like little stuff. When I was a secretary, you'd get letters for just ridiculous, you know, paperwork, and which is pretty ironic given that, um, you know, this, this government says they hate red tape. They hate red tape when it comes, except when it comes to union, they can't get enough of it. And so it's basically the paperwork police that is just constantly harassing unions. So... Um, uh, yeah, so there, there's that. Now, were you surprised that One Nation voted against it? Well, um, from the beginning, you know, the ACTU has had one goal and that's to stop the bill. Uh, we'd obviously the whole time been advocating for that and over a long period of time and intensely over the last week been in discussions with One Nation as well as Jackie Lambie. Um, on top of that, the week before... All the unions in Queensland met with One Nation as well. And the thing is, is that because the government had been saying this is all about one union and really one individual in Victoria, you know, she didn't really think much more of it, I think. And then when she realised that it was going to affect every single union and could see the, the breadth of the concern about it, um, 
I think that got One Nation concerned, but in particular, I think they're concerned that they don't want to be painted as union bashers. And really, there's no other way to put it that this law is just so bad that, you know, even One Nation wasn't going to vote for it. Yeah. Now, there's been some claims on this topic. There's been some claims that there was some sort of deal done. But from, every, from what you've just said, it seems like it was just union leaders around the country speaking to One Nation. Isn't this just how politics should work? Yeah, absolutely how it should work. And the thing is about the union movement is that we are so broad and we do have people all around the country in Queensland. Uh, some of our stronger, strongest membership is in regional Queensland. And so uh, what we did is we lobbied as a movement. It's not like we've got some paid you know, lobbyists in suits down in Parliament House. You don't. On the Monday um, before they tried to put this bill, there were 50 workers with me and Michelle in Canberra and they were everything from paramedics to cleaners to you know community workers you know nurses so that that is actually the union movement and so um, they're the people that all these politicians come across when they get on planes when they fly we get flight attendants with us um, when they go to hotels like everywhere and so uh, making them realize that if they decided to pass this bill, they will anger the broad cross-section of the whole trade union movement and hurt ordinary working people. It does give them all a pause to think. Yeah, yeah. now, also, at the same time, it wasn't a great look for the government that it was just a week a week earlier that Westpac had been caught breaking the law some 20 million times or whatever it ended up being. Yeah. Do you think that, because Pauline Hanson has also said that about white-collar crime, do you think that that had an effect Absolutely. On the outcome. Absolutely, it did. Um, I did think for one moment maybe I should tweet thanks to Westpac um, <laughs> because uh, absolutely it made a difference. It just showed the deep hypocrisy and the double standards of the government and that no one likes double standards. The idea that you you know treat working people and their organisations differently to anyone else, let alone the banks where all of their sins have been you know shown. Uh, through the Royal Commission and then to have this revealed. And everyone knows that, um, you know, those executives, what he's leaving with a big, you know, payout anyway. There's no, no punishment for them. No one's saying you should shut down banks. No one's saying that they should be put into administration. And I think it just made, put it into really stark relief. Morris Blackburn Lawyers, Australia's leading social justice law firm, have been fighting for your rights for nearly 100 years because they believe that fairness is a universal right, not just reserved for the chosen few. They know if one person's denied the right to be safe, to be free, to be heard or to be equal, everyone else's rights are at risk too. And that includes you. So whether it's returning stolen land, protecting new mums at work or demanding equality, Morris Blackburn Lawyers helps shine a light on everyday injustices. Because who knows when your rights might be affected. We're recording on uh, Thursday afternoon and the government has resubmitted the bill to the House of Representatives whilst, whilst we're actually recording. What... What needs to be done to defeat the bill a second time? Well, essentially, uh, Pauline Hanson said today that the government needs to take on white-collar crime and that she's expecting that they need to take action against that and she won't be involved in union bashing. So um, we will continue to advocate uh, that with her. They've not picked up on some of the big concerns that she's got around this bill, including unions being put into administration. Um, and also we've got to, with Jackie Lambie, uh, you know, make her focus on the fact that uh, this affects all working people and all unions and it would be a wrong, um, unjust thing to, to support it. And that's her, her position at the moment as well. What about, what, what about our listeners? What can they do to help get behind this campaign and, and, and help try and stop this bill a second time? Well, um, obviously, this is Victorians, but maybe people outside Victoria are listening. But um, 
still, you know, they, uh, those crossbench senators are still going to hold the, um, the, 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 the decision about whether or not it will go through. So yeah, they do listen to social media. They listen to that a lot. And they see that as their sort of, you know, um, uh, you know where they get their, their the views about what people think. So, uh, letting them know what you think on social media. We also shouldn't forget those two senators in South Australia, um, Centre Alliance. So, they, um, it, you know, it, disgustingly uh, voted for this bill. They would not agree to amendments at the last moment either, even though they said they were open to it. And really it was because the government was just so incredibly arrogant, so arrogant. It honestly just thought it had sailed through and they wouldn't have to do the work. Um, the, other, the other stupid thing the government did was they withheld um, the new version of the, of the bill with amendments that they negotiated with some of the crossbenchers until the Friday before they wanted the vote. So they wanted the vote on the Monday and they waited until I think it was quarter to four on a Friday to release um, that, that the new bill. And so we're the trade union movement. We're the people who are going to be subject to these new laws. And we were given, um, you know, less than 24 hours in a working day to, to lobby around it. So that actually really pissed off the crossbench senators. It pissed us off too, obviously. <laughs> um, but um, they, they were arrogant to think that, well, uh, you know, the union movement's not going to go and lobby after we see what the actual law is going to say. Now, this, I want to sort of broaden it out um, slightly, just to talk about sort of the attitude of the of conservative politics in Australia to the union movement. But the, some of the accusations that are made are just incredible. Now, what's it like going to work each day with knowing that, that things are going to be used against you that you've said, and, and even things that are made up? How, 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 how does it feel going to work every day, and how do you get over that problem? Well, basically, um, first of all, like the last week, like the Australian and the Murdoch press went into total overdrive when this bill went down. Um, they probably had front pages written really ready to celebrate it that they then had to trash. Um, for us, like that was a very sweet victory, <laughs> but we then had to cop the torrent of abuse that came out of it. We're essentially the Prime Minister and um, business leaders and the, the right-wing press were saying we're all bullies. And it makes me really angry, like really angry. But the position we're in is that if we then all the time want to talk about that, it's like that's then what we're talking about. Like yeah. It's on their territory. So it's hard. Um, uh, at the moment, actually, we're getting some legal advice about whether we could take um, uh, action, a class action against some of the people who've been saying this. So we're considering that. In terms of like just the daily abuse that you do get um, from paid mouthpieces, um, my strategy is is to switch off to it entirely. Um, remember that you know those people are never going to support us, and the minute they stop writing nasty stuff, it means we're not effective. So um, <laughs> you know, average working person isn't reading the Australian, isn't reading the Financial Review, isn't listening to um, Andrew Bolt. They are um, they're, they're not doing any of that. So you know, completely ignoring it because if you did pay attention, it just eke away at um, your confidence, and that um, they're irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. They certainly are, um, and I think everyone in the Labor Movement is obviously very proud of the work you, you guys are doing here and, and you personally. Now, just want to talk about uh, the election last year very, very briefly. Um, it obviously wasn't the result that anyone in the in the Labor Movement wanted or happy with. What are the ACTU, outside of the course of feeding this bill, what are the ACTU priorities over the next few years? Well, our priorities are the same as, I guess, what they've been for the last... Um 90 years since we've been around and that's uh, that's defending and improving workers rights and so it's 
pretty sharp at the moment because of record low wage growth and their number of insecure jobs that there are. And we've obviously done a lot of work and thinking and advocacy in this area and we think that there needs to be uh, significant change to our workplace laws in order to catch up with, you know, what's happened with the gig economy and what's happened with the shift in power, um, with, you know, the growing, growing inequality and how that now uh, affects workers in their workplaces. You know, we have this issue, um, or we saw in the last election, that, you know, the likes of Clive Palmer, but also others, um, preyed on, you know, billionaires of this country, of the world, uh, using democracies as their plaything, really, and that playing on people's fears, as does a coalition. But where people are insecure, and they're basically insecure at work, um, you know, that means that they're going to be more susceptible to the idea of change because they're going to think, well, all the change that's happened to us in the last 20 years has made things worse. So it's always the job of the Labor movement to inspire hope that um, not just that change is possible, but change is possible and it be a positive um, thing. And I think at the moment that there's a really big need for um, the Labor movement, all of us, to step up and say that workers need better rights. And if they don't get better rights, we would get used to record low wage growth, get used to more inequality, get used to um, more insecure, uberized jobs. And that's not something I'm prepared to get used to. It's good to hear. Thank you very much for your time today, Sally. Um, and, and fitting us into your very busy schedule to give us an update on where on, on what happened last week and, and what we can do to ensure the, 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 the destruction of this bill and, and into the future and, and, and fight for working people. Now, to the most difficult question for all our guests every week is the song on the song which you've chosen to finish this week's episode. Well, I have to give a language warning for this one, and it does um, hark back to my uh, childhood um, and the sort of start of new neoliberalism and the punk scene that was um, fighting that. And at the moment, it reminds me too of the shift towards authoritarianism that we're seeing under Scott Morrison. So um, I would like you to play the Dead Kennedys' California Uberalis. Now it 